0: Welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in discipleship, we grow in relationships, and we grow in Jesus Christ. This segment will be studying the book of Acts, where our risen Christ is made manifest in the early church. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday. As Luke uh, uh, has written this for us and for uh, uh, for our learning, uh, we uh, will continue in in twenty five, and and I hope that, that that we're able to to have a foundation uh, that is I, I believe absolutely. Critical to our faith, uh, and that uh, uh, and that we see um, in Paul's writings and in his uh, and, and, and in his actions from from the book of, of Acts uh, of how that uh, how that affects us as a as a church, how it affects what we believe, uh, and and how you know there has to be a a foundation for um, all of that. (coughs) And obviously, we know that Jesus is the cornerstone of the foundation that is built. Uh, So in Acts, we are in Acts 25. We're going to read verses 1 through uh, uh, 12. Acts verses 1 through 12 and I would ask that you stand to uh, honor the reading of God's word if you can please. Now when Festus was come into the province after three days he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea, and that he himself would depart shortly thither. Let them therefore, said he, which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man, if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down unto Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, Commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, Neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar have I offended anything at all. But Festus. Willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof, these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shalt thou go. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our time together. God bless you only you can. God, I pray that you uh, protect the words I say. God, um, I know apart from you I have nothing, and I am nothing. And God, I give you all the praise and all the thanks for all the things. God, you are my provider all the way up, and including salvation. And you are my sustainer. Here, God, but um, across the land that Your truths would reach and penetrate the hearts of people and bring them to You, God, we pray and ask it in the power of Your name, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Can't help, couldn't help to notice when we. Jesus being a priest and we, we hear, we see uh, the high priest and, and it's it's really a, 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 I think an important thing to know that, that the high priest and these others that were bringing their charges against Paul really there was no such stain per se anymore in, in, in uh, uh, God's people because Christ had already died and rose again, and he has sat down at the right hand of God, and he has become the great high priest. There is none other besides him that is a high priest that can do what he did. The high priest always offered a sacrifice uh, for sin that was a blood sacrifice, and Christ became that final sacrifice for us. Uh, And those are important truths, that we know, that that we hold a, a, as as our truths, and I, I hope as we go through this today that we gather uh, some more truths that 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 are really that are really um, I don't want to say they're 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 necessarily all that complicated. They're they're not. Um, but I, I would say this, and I was thinking about this as Chris was speaking. Is is that you know I don't know, and I I don't want to knock my dad, and my family, but I wasn't necessarily taught catechisms like that as a child. Um, I probably came to these truths a lot later in life. I'm not saying that I didn't, there wasn't some of that that set in my heart from being brought up in a church to begin with. Um, Certainly, I learned some of these things. I'm not sure how foundational I made them, but the important point I just want to make is that you don't have to be a scholar of the Bible to come to faith in Jesus Christ, but as you come to faith in Jesus Christ, it is of the utmost importance that we understand these things, that we know these things, and that that's just all the process of growing in Christ, and it's very important. I mean, and I would I would say without a doubt that part of that learning comes from right here, right now, but the biggest part of it. Comes in the home. Um, And I would say that the Christian man, and I'm holding the Christian man responsible, is the downfall of the family, because we haven't taught these things the way God has commanded that we do. And so, the other thing I would encourage in that is, just as we talk about some of these things this morning, you know, I would challenge all of us to dig deeper into anything that is spoken to you here. Um, number one, to make sure I'm not lying to you, but the number two is to uh, become that equipped servant of Christ. So, as we take off this morning, we pick up um, in, in chapter 25 where where Festus is now took over. Uh, as the governor, and uh, he has took Felix's place, and um, Paul has been in prison for two years, it tells us. And I think, as Brother Vance noted last week, there's a, you know, there's a the possibility that many of his letters were wrote during these times, and, and so a lot of my, a lot of what I'm Saying and preaching on this morning comes from this idea and background of Paul's letters. Because here's here's what I'm getting at here: is Paul's letters (coughs) tell us the Paul, it it, it gives us vision into this Paul that is in prison here at this time. And you know, we're going to say he's in prison. We've learned. Uh, week before last, or maybe last week, that that he's actually been given a fair amount of freedom. Um, It's not like he's locked up in a a jail cell 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. His friends are allowed to come to him, and, you know, I'm sure he's able to worship and pray with them. They bring him uh, uh, some of his needs that he may have. So so it's not like he's in this uh, huge lockdown at this moment. But but we do know that, that he... not a free man. And uh, I want to begin with a background verse to, to to go along with this from Philippians 4, 10 through 13, and most people are, are, are fairly familiar with a part of that, but I'm going to read this whole thing to kind of give you uh, a little bit of insight to Paul and, and, and the way that I think he... Looks upon his situation at this moment. He says, um, But I rejoiced uh, in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me had flourished again. And, and he's speaking to the Philippian church. He, he's talking about an offering that they have sent to him. And he says, Wherein ye were also careful, but ye liked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of one. Here's what I want you to hear. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So this is the Paul. This is the mindset of a Paul that is jailed. And I want to focus on where does this mindset come from? And, and, and for sure, I mean we can just say it comes from the Word of God. But the important truths that I want to I want to see here, and if you see your outline on the the back of the bulletin, which is something I normally don't do, so you got a bonus this morning, Uh, but first of all, and if I had to title this, 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 this sermon, I would say, Taking God at His Word, and first of all is to understand that God's Word is never changing. God's Word is never changing. Malachi 3, 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O oh children of Jacob, are not consumed. And this is somewhat of, 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 oddly enough, we've talked about a lot of this in Sunday school this morning, it's just what it was about. Literally, without God's promises, we have zero hope. None. I, I mean, I cannot imagine the idea of us just being left to ourselves. There's no hope. We all suffer the punishment for our sin in hell forever. Hell is a hard truth of the Bible that people do not like to hear. But that's where every one of us was headed at one time. Period. There was a time when we were lost in our sins We we, we had the understanding to know that we were sinners and we had done nothing to to alleviate that situation. And the only thing that's possible to alleviate that situation is to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. When God comes Mm -hmm. knocking at your door, you either say yes or you say no. And I don't know how many times he'll knock. I don't have anything in the Bible that tells me it will be a certain amount of times. I believe I can. I believe I can, with 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 good affirmation, say that I do believe He knocks. I think Hebrews tells us that. I think that every man can look out in the world and have a knowledge that there's got to be a God. Amen. And that's a knock. Hebrews thirteen eight says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As believers, we enter enter into a covenant relationship based on God's never-changing promises. Do do you realize that? It's God's never-changing promises. What is it about us that enters into a relationship with Christ that can keep what he demands of us and if you want to break what he demands of us down to the simplest terms go read the Ten Commandments that's listen that's what he demands he demands you to fulfill the Ten Commandments but there's a problem right right He alleviated that problem for us. His never-changing promise. It was from the very beginning, in the beginning, from the time that that, that Adam and Eve were created, this plan was set in place. More so, we would know it as, as, as the fall of man. But this plan was set in place and it has never changed. Not one time has God's plan changed and we have the the, the Old Testament proof of, of those plans and that covenant coming about and we entered into that covenant not by our own ability, but by God's. We can't keep our word. See, that's an issue for us. We can't keep our word. Why? Because we're sinners. We were talking about that in Sunday school this morning. Of all people, of all people, those of us who claim Christ, you should be able to count on each other, look up to each other, Yet, with grace. Because we will let each other down. We will let each other down occasionally. But of all people, we should be the least likely to let people down. Yet, as believers, and knowing that we, we are sinners, that's why we give each other grace. That's why we hold each other accountable. That's all a part of the church. But the the point there is 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 that God's word is never changing. But ours, eh, not so much. And, and, And we start talking about unregenerate people. Those who don't know Christ, folks, we can't expect the same thing out of them that we expect out of each other. You look through the Bible and just a few examples of, of man how we fail and, and and when I look at these things I, I, I just think about how man um, um, struggles to keep his word and, and one of the first ones I think of is Joseph when he was in prison and, and I don't know if y'all remember or not but a little background is Joseph's thrown in prison uh, because Potiphar wife has wrongly accused him. There's another example of how you can't trust people and, and, and their word's not good. But, but, but as he was there, two of the people that were uh, in prison with him, one of them was a cupbearer, and what was the other one? baker, yeah. And they had dreams. And Joseph was able, by the power of God, to explain to them what their dreams meant. And anyway, the the baker he said, you're going to be called up, you're going to die, they're going to hang you, but the cupbearer was going to be reinstated. And he told the cupbearer, he said, hey, when you're reinstated, remember me. (coughs) What happened? Did he remember him? Well, no, not exactly. He remembered you about three or four years later, was not it, whenever, uh, whenever the, the Pharaoh had a dream? But you see what I'm saying? How, how man's word is so, is so wishy-washy? We are. James eight. a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That man is not who we're supposed to be. And I'm going to go back to this point that I'm making. We shouldn't be there because we trust in a God and God's word that's never changing. We we, we count on the same thing all the time. We don't have to wake up in the morning and and, and have to wonder what what God expects from us today. We don't have to wonder because it's the same thing. I mean, let me be careful to say, it's up to us to know that. It's up to us to to be aware of what God's Word says and and, and what expectations are for the Christian life, not not toward salvation, right, But, but just toward living a life that exemplifies Christ. You talk about not taking God in his word. Look at Sarah and Abraham. What do they do? Sarah says, Abraham, here's my servant. Because apparently God's not going to keep his promise. I mean, really that's where she's going with that, right? And is Abraham any better off? I don't think that he is because he takes her and they have a son and God's like, "That's not, he's not the one. He's not the promised child. God does not need us to fix his never changing word. What we get from man, especially unconverted man, is darkness. Darkness, untrustworthiness. Just as we see in our text today the Sanhedrin falsely falsely accusing Paul. It says they basically brought all kinds of nasty hyenas charges against him. Right? And they couldn't prove none of them. Couldn't prove them. Okay? Now let's talk another about a little more wishy-washy man. Couldn't prove them. What does Festus do? Let him go? No. No, he, it gets worse even. Now he's talking about sending him back to Jerusalem. In the beginning he said, no, he needs to be trying to in Caesarea. That's a rightful place. But now, what to please the Jews, he's offering to send him back. Why? Why? Because, I'll tell you why. Because, because Festus's only concern was himself. He didn't care about pleasing the Jews to make them happy. He cared about pleasing the Jews for what it would do for him. And and, and he may have been just as much like Felix. We we saw in last week's text that that Felix was hoping for a bride. I don't think it's it's beyond the realm of possibility that Festus was hoping for the same thing. Wishy-washy. Wishy-washy man. But we have God's never-changing word to rely on Second point about God's word, God's promises. And remember that as that. Uh, Is that God's word is God's promises, and they're eternal. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Mm-hmm. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Mm-hmm. Psalm 90, verse 2, before the mountains were brought or ever you had farmed the earth and world from everlasting to everlasting, framed, I said farm I think I got Yeah because I wrote for them. Let me try this again. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had framed the earth and world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It's eternal. It never changes, and it is eternal. One thing is, it's not only can we not keep our word Perfectly, as God can. But our word dies with us. Now I just think about that and I think uh, another good example in the Bible of that I think about, I'm going to go back to Joseph again. Joseph was the second over Egypt behind Pharaoh. And when uh, it's in Leviticus, the first the first chapter of Leviticus. I, don't know if I wrote that down or not. Let me go there. First chapter of Leviticus. And all his brethren and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt which knew not Joseph. The, 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 the relationship, the, essentially, whatever you might want to say, the promise that Pharaoh had with Joseph and his family, went away with Joseph when he died. That promise died. Why? Because fleshly, here like this, we are not eternal. The Pharaoh was not eternal. And and so the promises cannot be eternal. But God's promises can. Because Jesus died and rose again. He is alive. He sits at the right hand of God. His promises can be kept. Amen. Because they are eternal. The only eternal word is God's, and it never changes. 1 Corinthians 15 19 says, and Paul has this writing, he says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Well, why is that? Because this life is not the eternal one. While we are as souls eternal this life on this earth is not eternal. And if this is all we have to look forward to in Christ then we have nothing. We still don't have a promise. And the reason why we can, we can say that this is not the only thing we have to look forward to uh, is this life here, is because of God's promises. They never change, and he is eternal. And all of that is kept by the eternal power and promises of God. i got to go to 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going to read verses 7 through 18. Corinthians 4, 7 through 18. Paul says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, which tells you the temporariness of it. And this is the whole point he's getting to here. And the ecstasy of the power, that the ecstasy of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair We have the same spirit of faith, according to it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day because we are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to this. For our light affliction, he's talking about right now, right here now, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight. It's... It's, it's trading, in a sense, this, this, this uh, white affliction for an eternal weight of glory. Eternal. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are Eternal. So our focus isn't on the temporary, it's on the eternal. It's a foundational truth that that, that, that is of the essence for, for, for us to hold on to. I mean if we're not thinking eternal, then we're not thinking towards the kingdom of God. And, and, and like um, Chris even said earlier, I mean we, this is the kingdom of God right now. Yet yeah, this kingdom is not eternal. But the one we're going to, the one we set our eyes on, is. Amen. So we have the promise that 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 God's promises never change. We have the promise that it's eternal. And we also have the promise. That not only are they going to be fulfilled, but that they have been fulfilled and continue to be fulfilled. Numbers 25, 19, it says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he not spoken, and will he not fulfill it? I mean, think about that. Is there anything that God has spoken and said up to this point that he has not fulfilled. And, and, and the more we read and know what the Bible says, the more that, 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 that we see these truths and, and that we can believe the truths. I mean, it increased my faith. can't fulfill the rest of it, then we have nothing again. What do you have? If God cannot fulfill his promises, what do you have? If you don't believe God can fulfill his promise, what do you have? Joshua 21, 45, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Eight. For truly, I'm saying to you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one kittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So we can trust that God will fulfill His promises. We're all involved in that fulfilling, also, folks. God uses us even to fulfill those promises. be used by God that has ever walked this earth. Also, when we think back to uh, last week in Acts uh, 20, well, no, actually two weeks ago in Acts uh, 23, you know, in verse 11, Paul is told, Right? By the Holy Spirit. What what was he told? Be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Do you think Paul believed that? I do. I don't think Paul had any doubt whatsoever. I think Paul was completely convinced that it would be fulfilled. I think that, that, that Paul um, was not apt to have um, made a decree to Caesar just for that reason. I don't, I, I, I think, that, I, I don't think that that was Paul's purpose for su- uh, as much as, as such in doing that as to get himself to Rome because I think that Paul believed no matter what happened, he was going to Rome. This is very important to hear, Christian. I wonder what Paul's thoughts were when he found out he was going to Rome. I wonder if he thought, I'm about to be set free and then I'm going to go to Rome. I mean, I'm assuming something. I don't know that that's what he thought at all. Here's what I really think. I don't think Paul cared. I do not think he cared. I just think that he wanted to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew he was going to Rome and going to Rome and how he got there did not matter to him. I, 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 Paul was not promised he was going to go to Rome as a free man. And I'm not saying that Paul didn't want to be free. I don't think it was wrong if Paul fought for freedom. But his freedom, his freedom from that prison cell, was not his number one concern. And I don't think it was, I think he proves that to us just in the background verse that I gave you. I've learned to be content. I don't care what situation I'm in, I'm content. the contentment is knowing that this is exactly where God wants me to be. And that, that, you know, for a lot of people, that's a tough thought. But I don't think I can. But listen, let's go back to what Paul said. I learned to be content. In other words, he wasn't always content like that. He learned it. He he grew closer to his Savior. He spent time nourishing that relationship, and he learned to be content. It's important to note that God's promises are not what we want them to be. If, If God's promise to Paul was that he was going to go to Rome. And Paul wanted it to be that he was a free man when he went to Rome. And that's what he fought for, and that's what he strived for, was to be free. Then he would not have been in the will of God. It was not God's will for him to be free. And the important point to say there is, is is if we take God's promises If we take God's promises to mean what we want them to mean, what have you got? I'll tell you what you got. You got a lot of what you see in our society today. Number one, I would say, there's a very real possibility that you're falling into a prosperity gospel. If you're trying to make God's word say what you want it to say versus what it really says, which is, I sold Jesus. When you hear people use that word, that means you're making God's word, taking his text, and you're making it out to what you want it to mean. But you see the prosperity gospel, you see, you see a, a social justice religion. And I'm not talking about out there, I'm talking about in the church. I'm talking about this stuff is preached in so called Churches. I tell you what it all ultimately ends up as is a false gospel. Is that like an oxymoron to say false gospel? A false, but think about that, a false good news. A false good news is no good news at all. A false gospel is false gospel leads you one or two places. It leads you apart from your Savior Jesus Christ, but most likely it leads you to hell. What good is it? What good is it for you to decide what God says? No. God decides what God says. Amen. I think it's I think it's pretty uh, pretty neat when you think about Paul's position in that prison. And, and there he is, not a free man. And the freedom he is most fighting for is not his own, but it's those lost people around him. He is way more concerned about people coming to a saving faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ That he is about leaving that jail cell. And I believe from the bottom of my heart that that's all a result of the fact that that he completely gives himself to a never-changing, to an eternal, and to a prophecy-fulfilling God. so thank you for Thank you for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in discipleship, grow in relationships, and grow in Jesus Christ. Subscribe so you don't miss a single sermon, and come and grow with us.